Welcome to Closer Look. I'm Maria Morgan. Every 10 years, the U.S. Census Department asks you 10 questions. The answers to those questions drive dollars for needs like schools, parks, hospitals, and fire stations. And they also lock in how many Congress members you get. And if you want to know more about your family tree, it's all in the count. Responding to the census is required by law. But even beyond that, we'll hear a pastor call it moral and biblical. But first, let's get some basics about the census from Michael Cook of the U.S. Census Bureau. Mr. Cook, welcome to Closer Look. Hi, Maria. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to let your listening audience know 2020 census is easy, it's safe, and it's important, and it's not too late. People can self-respond all the way up into September 30th, but time is running out. We need people to respond to the 2020 census. What, legally speaking, is a census? You know, the census is right in the Constitution. Um, Article 1, Section 2 states that everyone who lives in the United States um, should be counted and is required to be counted. Um, For us, it's about counting everybody once only once and in the right place. And we do that specifically because when we count you in the right place and only once, your count is then tallied into the total population counts for the nation and also the states, which turns into the apportionment counts where we actually take the 435 seats in Congress and distribute them evenly based upon the state-by-state count. Let's talk about the three ways that people can respond. Yes, we have three different options that we have available for everyone. Um, You can actually go to 2020census.gov and respond online. Back in March of 2020, when we first started inviting people to respond online, we sent to households across the country a census ID. It's a unique uh, code for each housing unit, and they can use that code when they go to 2020census.gov and to fill out the form. But if you have lost your invitation, your census ID, don't worry about it. Just go to 2020census.gov, use the physical address where you lived on April 1st, 2020, and complete the form online. You can call our 1-800 numbers. Um, The English number is 1-844-330-2020. And if you go to 2020census.gov, you can see the other 12 numbers in which we have uh, people that can actually field conversations and calls and walk people through the questionnaire so that they can complete the census over the phone in their mother tongue. And also, as you know, in some communities across the country, we have individuals who don't receive mail at their physical address. And if you are that person and we've sent you a paper questionnaire in the mail, you can still use that paper questionnaire, fill it out, and mail it back to us, and we'll accept that response as well. Let's talk about the questions that the census asks and what they don't ask. You know, the census is only 10 questions, and it takes about 10 minutes to actually respond. And the important thing here is that those few moments that you take or that it takes to fill out the form, if you don't respond, it sticks with your community for 10 years. So when you get the form, you'll see that the census is merely trying to assess how many people are living in your home on April 1st, 2020. And when you fill out the form, we ask that you don't just include the people that are related to you, um, that are in your family, but anybody that was living with you because the census does not share your information with anyone. We ask you right off the top, the home that you're living in is a house, an apartment, a mobile home, whether you own or rent your home. We ask you what your telephone number is. We ask you um, the person's name, um, their sex, 
um, the age of that person, the date of their birth. We ask you also what your race is. Um, we ask that you print your name, and then we ask, does that person or individual usually live or stay somewhere else? Um, and then there's a, a battery of those same questions that we ask for the additional people in the households. The Census Bureau will never ask you for your Social Security number. Good to know. We will never ask you for your bank account number. I know that during these times um, when scams are rampant, we want to make sure that people understand that the Census Bureau does not share your information with anyone and that um, we have a group of people who spend um, day and night looking at rumor mills and things on the internet that are being sent around and posted in social media that discourage participation because we want to count all of the households across the country to ensure that there's fair representation in the House of Congress and at all levels of government, but also those invaluable um, trillions of federal dollars every year that flow down to the local level for much-needed social services based upon a complete and accurate count. The census will never ask about immigration status. None of that. We don't ask those types of questions on the 2020 census. The 2020 census is guided by the Title 13 of the U.S. Code, which prevents us from collecting any information about them and using it for anything other than uh, statistics. But those statistics are in aggregate. We ensure that people cannot identify who you are and where you live, but they are merely statistics so that decision makers, again, at all levels of government can make informed decisions for the next 10 years that help shape your community and impact your lives and the lives of generations to come. My name is Maria Morgan. This is Closer Look. I'm talking with Michael Cook of the U.S. Census Bureau. Once you know those statistics, how are they used to provide services? What kind of services in communities? Where to put things like roads, schools, um, hospitals, free lunch programs within school systems. You look at the SNAP uh, program. Um, when you look at Medicare and Medicaid, um, you look at health care across the board. Unfortunately, this current pandemic with COVID-19 underscores the need and the value for official and accurate census statistics so that when we talk about emergency preparedness, those individuals that are making decisions that impact your life at the local level, they know exactly where people are and where they live, and they have an accurate and complete count. So when they appeal for federal funds, they can actually get and have enough uh, federal funds to provide much-needed services for communities across the country. I understand that business owners rely on census results as well to make a decision as simple as should I open a new store or a restaurant or a factory or should I expand? Should I, should I hire? Should I not? I often tell people when you see a community that's thriving and you see that, you know, they're building up a new shopping center, a new mall, and you ask, well, how did they know that there was a community there that could actually benefit and utilize and use um, that business? It's knowing exactly where people are and uh, how many people are there, what their age groups are. If you're talking about building a new school, if you're talking about a new bus route, something as simple as that, those decisions are made based upon a complete and accurate count. So there's countless number of benefits that come from completing the census. And again, when you don't fill it out, 
those few moments that you did not spend filling it out, that miscount will stick with your community for the next 10 years. Let's revisit the three ways to self-report. My2020census.gov is probably the easiest way. What's the phone number again? The English phone number is 1-844-330-2020. That's clever. (laughs) If you haven't responded using one of these convenient ways, uh, you're going to get a visit from someone from the U.S. Census Bureau. Yes, we have a process that we call non-response follow-up. This is what uh, most people know and think about when they hear about uh, the census taking place and census takers visiting homes, knocking on doors, and asking you questions that are then put on the form. This program, uh, this process, this operation is ongoing currently and will continue until September 30th. They will be wearing masks, and we have created a process uh, uh, in which they can conduct this interview in a contactless way, standing six feet away from the door. Um, If you ask yourself, you know, how do I know that the person that's coming to my home is from the Census Bureau? They will have a badge. Their badge will identify that they work for the U.S. Census Bureau, which is part of the Department of Commerce. They'll have their picture on that ID. As well, when they ask you these questions, they're going to be inputting that information into an iPhone. That information that they're putting into it is encrypted, and once they complete and submit that response on that phone, it goes up to the cloud and it is wiped off of that iPhone. So your information is secure and encrypted from the time you give us that response all the way until we actually take that information and tabulate it and produce our statistics. Are they coming individually or are they coming in pairs? We do have um, some people that are traveling in pairs, depending upon uh, where they're going. As you know, the the United States is a vast, a vast country, and there's all types of terrain. There's all types of places that our census takers go. Our census takers, you know, they get in kayaks, and they kayak to, to islands and or communities that are uh, not connected to roads, per se. Um, there are people that um, are in rural parts of Alaska who are on snowmobiles traveling to communities. And mind you, we hire locally. So the people that are coming around and knocking on your doors and or visiting your homes, those are people from your community. And they themselves have a vested interest and want to have a complete and accurate count, just like we do. Any guesses on what the final number of people living in America will be? It was 308.7 million 10 years ago. The Census Bureau, the work that we do um, and the statistics that we produce, we don't do it with hypotheticals. But we do know um, if you've gone to census.gov and taken a look at the population clock that's on our website, that population clock is based on um, measures that we use to estimate what the population of the United States is. And if um, past performance is actually accurate, you will see that right now that population clock shows that there are more, just more, just slightly more than 330 million people in the United States. So I can guarantee that there will be uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 330 million people in the United States. So um, we are all waiting with bated breath to see what that number is. I remember I was at the U.S. Census Bureau when the the United States actually hit the 300 million mark. So um, a little bit more than 10 years, we've actually gained right at 30 million people. So um, yes, I, I wait just like everyone else to see what that number is.
It's a little like uh, the game of guessing the number of marbles in the jar, and then you find out who wins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, you mentioned earlier about uh, genealogists and and people that look at their their family history by using our our statistics from the from the decennial count. You know, there's a 72 year rule um, that actually is on the books. And it is the National Archives that releases um, the official statistical counts um, and the records after 72 years. So um, the 1950 uh, census is set to be released um, come 2022. Um, And I was around when the 1940 census uh, was released. The 1940 release back in 2012 um, was eye-opening because for me, um, if I'm speaking personally, that's when I started to see names of family members um, that I remember, that I recall, and that I actually saw um, walking the earth. When the National Archives releases those official aggregate statistics, it definitely brings our data to life um, to where people can validate their family trees and or start their family trees. My name is Maria Morgan. This is Closer Look. I'm talking with Michael Cook, a veteran of the Census Bureau, someone who's uh, seen the U.S. population hit the 300 million mark and beyond. I just like to make sure that everyone understands that the census, the 2020 census is yours. Uh, This is an opportunity for you to represent not only yourself and your family, but also your community, because an accurate and complete count turns into um, equal representation for you and your community in all the states, as well as uh, the invaluable uh, numbers uh, and funds and federal funds that flow down to the local level uh, to provide much-needed services uh, for you and your loved ones for the next 10 years. So I encourage everyone to uh, respond if they haven't by going to 2020census.gov. By calling September 30th of uh, 2020 is when the counting will end and we will start uh, our due diligence in creating um, and formulating those statistics that will then uh, determine your political representation at Congress, but at all levels of government. I'm Maria Morgan. This is Closer Look. Counting every man, woman, and child on U.S. soil is a monumental task. St. James AME Zion Church in San Mateo, California, is one of many faith communities who partner with the U.S. government to get the word out about the census. Reverend Dr. Marlon Bussey is the St. James pastor, and she's here to talk about that. Welcome, Dr. Bussey. Thank you very much, Myra, for having me. I'm happy to be here. Why would the church do outreach for the 2020 census? We do this work because we know that it's really a part of our of our responsibility as people of faith to make sure that everyone is counted. That's a part of our belief system that everyone counts. The church is working with another organization. We believe in partnering uh, because we can do a lot more together than we can alone. And so we have partnered with the Bay Area Community Health Advisory Council. We're on a grant with the county of San Mateo to do census outreach. Um, St. James is a church that's trusted in the community, and I'm a trusted messenger, having been there now for 12 years. And so our community, which is um, 99% uh, Latinx, um, believes what we say, and they'll come to the church. And though we can't be inside the church, we can be outside the church. So we're having pop-ups all around the community including the church census pop-ups so that they can get information and hopefully also um, complete their census form. Because the fellowship hall is 
closed, thank you, COVID, uh, you guys had to get creative. We did. We borrowed um, a, a tent from the county, and then we used the tables uh, from inside the church, and we have some space right on the right off the sidewalk on one side of our church, and so we bring everything outside. We bring the tables outside. We pop the tent up so we don't cook in the heat, and then we bring the, the Chromebooks outside so that if people want to complete their census form, we have, you know, everything right there. We often give away something as an incentive to, you know, entice them to come. So right now we're giving away bags of toiletries because people are out of work and, um, you know, times are a little bit harder than usual. And so anything that they can get for free is a bonus to their budget. So we we um, provide that. We're doing pop-ups all around the, the, the north central side of the city. And then, you know, there's all there's all other kinds of giveaways that the county has that they provide for us as well. Last statistic I saw was about 40% of people who need to be counted have not responded. Actually, in San Mateo County, we're at 75.1%, which is 10 percentage points over the state response rate. So we're doing really wonderfully in San Mateo County and in the part of the the city that um, I pastor in North Central, we actually just crossed over 70%. And we're a hard to reach, the community is a hard to reach population, but we're still at 70% in total due to the hardworking um, team of census workers that we have. They've been incredible. I mean, they're logging thousands of phone calls a week because, you know, we can't, we can't do in person, so we've had to switch everything to um, to telephone work. But they have been incredible, and so we're 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 doing really well. We're pushing now to get to seventy five percent, and then you know hopefully to eighty or eighty five by the end. It, the deadline is September thirtieth, as I understand. So there's a lot of work to do between now and then. There is a lot of work to do, and I, I was pretty distressed that a whole month got cut off, um, but it just means that we have to work harder to make sure that everybody counts. You said that the Latinx population in your area is a hard-to-reach population. What, why do you think that is the case? Well, a, a lot of it is immigration status, and you know, I think that with all of the um, ICE activity that's been going on. I think with all of the, um, I call it fear mongering that's going on, you know, in, is there a sense, is there a citizenship question? Is there not a citizenship question? I, I think it's just created a lot of fear in people. Um, even if they have papers, even if they are residents, it's just a scary time. It's a scary time in people's lives right now. And so folks want to stay under the radar. Uh, one of the things that I didn't personally realize until I began working more um, closely with the census is that even the, the Japanese American community is not really interested in being counted. And when, when we examine that, it's because of the internment, because when they were counted before, they were interned. So, and all of their property was taken away. So it's like there's a lot of, a lot of psychological Stuff that goes along with this census, but it's just so important for uh, for everyone to count because there's so much attached to, you know, these numbers. What are the the things that the census affects? I assume these are some of the ways that you help convince the reluctant to go ahead and be counted. 
Exactly. I mean, I, I, I think that it's really important for people to understand that, um, that services for individual communities are determined by the census count. So if we need more hospitals, if we need more grocery stores, if we need, you know, more open space for kids to play in, I mean, there's all sorts of things that um, are, are, the result of funding. And if the numbers come in low, then those communities don't get an equal piece of the pie. And so it's just, it's just important to make sure that everyone gets an equal share. And the only way to do that is for people to be counted. It's the only way. What other kinds of objections do you have to overcome to get folks to respond? Well, another thing that that's tough is that people are so busy trying to live. (laughs) They're so busy trying to live. They have one, two, three jobs. They're not around a lot, you know? And so trying to get people to just slow down enough um, to understand that this too is important. Sometimes people don't feel like it'll matter, you know? And And I think that unfortunately that's been reinforced too much that people People just don't feel like they matter. You know, they don't feel like their vote will matter. They don't feel like this count will matter, that things are just going to be what they are. So our job, I think, as trusted messengers is to say to people, you know, it will matter if you take the time to do it. If enough of us take the time to do it, things will change because your voice will be heard. But I think that people don't feel like their voices are heard. This is Maria Morgan. Um, you're listening to Closer Look. My guest is Reverend Dr. Marlon Bussey. She's the pastor of St. James AME Zion Church in San Mateo, California. The church is working to help people feel comfortable filling out the census. The deadline for filling out the census is September 30th. And by law, by the Constitution, this has to be done. And so the church is helping to do that. It may seem like an odd combination uh, to some people, Dr. Bussey, why you would be involved in something like this. Well, you know, one of the one of the primary reasons is that it's biblical. <laughs> it's biblical. The the the, the book of Numbers um, opens up with you know calling for a census, um, and then in Luke two, uh, beginning with verse one, you know. It, it, a decree goes out from, from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this was a census that took place um, right before Jesus was born. And so it's not a new concept. It's as old as the Bible. And so clearly counting and making sure that everyone is counted is important to God. Both Old Testament and New Testament um, shows us that. And if, if something's important to God, then as his people, it ought to be equally important to us. And and the other thing is that I don't see any limitations on who should be counted. There's no restrictions in the word of God. There's no restrictions on who should be counted. And, and so that, again, speaks to us because all people, whoever's living in this country right now, needs to be counted so that we have accuracy. So that means that we we count with regard to ethnicity, with regard to familial relationship within a household. All means all. 
One of the things that has interested me is that uh, censuses of 100 years ago or even 200 years ago have helped people crack their own uh, history, their own family history. They've been able to say, oh, well, so-and-so lived next to so-and-so. So that's how they got together. <laughs> and here I am. I mean, there's all kinds of uh, not only um, services that are provided in modern day, but just fun facts from the past, too, if you're doing your genealogy. Exactly. And the, and the flip side of that is that if, if you, I've met some people who were not, who chose to not be counted in 2010, and they didn't realize that basically, if you're not counted, you don't exist. You don't exist in, in America if you are not counted as a part of the census. And when I, when I heard that, it, it just riveted me. And I thought, my goodness, this is, it's just so important. So our modern day census uh, can help us to learn some things about our family. It can also reveal some other things about history. For instance, that, that certain groups weren't counted on purpose because they weren't considered human. Mm-hmm. So th- there's all kinds of stuff around this census. But what I think I want people to leave with is that they deserve to count. They deserve to count. And this is one way. This is one of our basic rights as human beings living in this country is that we count. There's really a passion around this because I think that it's important that that everyone feel validated, everyone feel valued. That's what we want. That's what we want to feel. And we should make sure that everyone feels the same way that we do, that they're valued and, and that they matter. And this is one way to ensure that. How do you reassure people that this is this information won't be misused? That's a big question. And and what we do, and this is part of our outreach because our outreach also includes education. We walk through it with them. We assure them that the information that they provide is protected by law. It can't be shared or used by any other governmental agency. Um, we assure them that there is no citizenship question at all, that no one is going to ask them about social security numbers or bank information, anything like that. And then we just let them know that if they, you know, it, it doesn't matter who they have in their house with them. We just want numbers and basic information. And I think that the thing that's helping is because we have people working the census um, in San Mateo who are Spanish speaking, who are, who are themselves Latinx, who can have a conversation that's maybe even deeper than a conversation that I can have with the, the neighbors. Um, and so we're, we're slowly getting to people at first, people were like, no, 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 no. You know, they just, they, they didn't want anything to do with it, but word of mouth is really important. And when, as we've been doing the work, we've been getting more and more response because people are like, no, 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 you can go there. You can trust them. And of course, as in most uh, human endeavors, word gets around. So if people think, oh, I, I did that and it wasn't painful at all. And in fact, I got some cool stuff because they gave me a gift and they smiled and said hello. And people are like, oh, okay, that's not so bad. Yeah. I just think that for the Christian community, it's really important for us to extend ourselves with this effort. As a pastor myself, I make sure um, that I announce the census uh, every Sunday. And, and I just say, if you haven't completed your census form, please 
make sure you do. I give the, you know, go to my2020census.gov. Um, I don't see this as a political issue. I see this as a, as a moral issue um, and as an ethical issue. So I, I just put it out there and say, hey, it's really important. We're doing the census. Please make sure that you're counted. It's important. And, um, you know, pastors can can remind their congregations in whatever way they're meeting with them in this COVID land that we're living in right now. Um, but it's important for it's important for leaders, for faith leaders to take the lead in, in making sure at least that their congregations are getting counted and that their congregations are, are spreading the word to their uh, to their family and their friends, because we may assume that people know to get counted or have gotten counted. But there are some elderly people who may not have Internet access. They may not know how to do it that way. So they don't know that there's a phone number that they can call. Um, There are three ways to complete the census. You can do it online at my2020census.gov, but you can also do it by phone by calling 844-330-2020. And you have a list of language options when you call, you can do it that way. Or if you receive the paper form, you can do it by mail. So it's, it's, there's, there's many ways that it can it can be completed, but I think as as faith leaders, we have a responsibility to to our communities that we serve to make sure that we are spreading the word about this. I just feel very strongly about it. Thank you, Doctor Bussy.